be with you. Thanks for reading that, Kim. Uh, before we get into that, uh, our, our sermon today, I do want to do something. Um, if uh, Scott Hoig, Paul Silbor, and Dave Case, if you guys could come on up here real quick and join me. <clears throat> um, over the course of the last year, uh, we have been in the process of uh, something uh, we, we call elder affirmation. And uh, over the years, our church has uh, tried to take this process very, very seriously. And uh, we've only done this. This is our third time that we've ever um, affirmed uh, elders uh, as a congregation. And so um, uh, over the course of this year, we, we, our current elders have been working with, with these three men. And um, we've gone through a process, uh, yeah, we probably had more phases than it needed to have, but uh, we went through a bunch of phases, phases where we were trying to understand uh, what does the Bible say an elder is, and we went into texts like 1 Timothy chapter 3, uh, then we talked a, a little bit about what, what doctrine is, one of the qualifications of an elder is that they are apt to teach, and we don't, mean, we don't think that means they, they are, uh, that they're giving sermons all the time, it means that they're able to navigate the Bible. Um, and we spent time uh, together uh, in, in community trying to figure out if there was good chemistry uh, with our current elders and, and these three men. Uh, we spent time uh, assessing their personalities, uh, assessing their marriages, their relationships, uh, reference calls, things like that. And, and it's been uh, almost the entire year of 2023 that that process has been going on. Um, and so uh, just uh, recently, our three current elders um, unanimously agreed to present uh, these three men to you at the congregation. And today, they're not going to be sharing anything. Um, we're just putting their uh, faces with names. And so I think they might be in your bulletin, the names are, but I wanted to put the, the faces uh, with the names. And so this is Scott Hoig, Dave Case, and Paul Silbor. Um, and if you're a member here, you will be getting an email uh, later this week uh, with some information on how to get to know them uh, a, a little bit more. And um, this is uh, what we're entering now is kind of one of the last phases, which is the congregational affirmation. And so over the course of the next four weeks, we invite you as a congregation uh, to, to help us examine them. And so if you know any of these men, uh, you are free to interact with the, our current elders. Uh, and that email that you'll get will give you information on how to do that. Um, but you are also invited to, to go, go grab coffee with these guys or go to lunch with them uh, on the, uh, the email that you'll get. We'll have contact information, and you are free to ask them any questions that you have um, as we look forward to the potential of, of having them add, uh, added to our current eldership team. And uh, we, we want to take this seriously because we think God takes this seriously. And so we, uh, we welcome your, your input and your, your uh, engagement here. Uh, in December, then, at the end of that window, there will be a ballot vote. And um, you will have the opportunity to vote yes or no on, on these three candidates separately, each individually. Um, and then there's a, a final step of our current elders having to then unanimously vote yes on them as well. And so that's how the process goes. Four weeks of consideration for you as a congregation, then a ballot vote for the congregation, and then a final vote by the current elders. And, um, and so this is a, a process that we've uh, entrusted to God and that we are now inviting you and we're eager for your, your feedback. And so uh, please pray for, for these men, for, for, their, for their wives, and for the, uh, the journey that we are on as a church family. Uh, we want to we wanna follow Jesus. We want to follow Jesus faithfully. And we think that God has given us elders uh, for, 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 that, for that purpose. So thank you for walking through the process with us, guys. And um, we're excited for these next four weeks. So thank you. <clears throat> okay, so this is our fourth 
and our final uh, Value Sunday of the year. Uh, Value Sundays were a little bit of an experiment um, that, that, that we tried this year, and, and I'll, I'll talk more about those in a second. Uh, but before we get to the, the, this Sunday's value, um, I want to do a run-through, which uh, a similar slide was shown last week, and it's been shown each of the Value Sundays. Uh, but we refer to this slide kind of as the sojourn building blocks. Like, what, what, what are we trying to do here? And so if you were to say, here, here are the, if we were to say, here are the building blocks, this is what it would look like. We start with the gospel, the, the news of what God has done. And our goal every Sunday is that we get to get, uh, re- rehearse this, that we get to represent this, that we get to think about this more deeply. And there's many ways to, to explain the gospel, um, but one of the definitions that, that, that I like a lot, it, it goes this way. Through the person and work of Jesus Christ, God fully accomplishes salvation for us rescuing us from judgment for sin into fellowship with him, and then restores the creation in which we can enjoy our new life together with him forever. And the Bible says that if you believe that, that means that your heart has actually been brought to, to life. If you've put your hope in Jesus, if, this is, if, the, if you've recognized that this is the actual story of the world, like this is the truest reality, then you've been swept up into the arms of God and you've been welcomed in, you've been adopted, you've, you, you've literally been made alive. And what comes along with that is a new identity. And over the years, our church has talked about identity with, with five terms. And these five terms have actually changed a couple times. Um, but we, we're, our, our goal here is to try to explore the riches, the, the significance of this identity that God gives uh, to his people. And so we start with the gospel, what God has done, and then we move to our identity, who we are. And the five terms that we've been using most recently are that we are worshipers, we are witnesses, we are family we are servants, and we are stewards. And these things end up becoming you know, kind of fundamental to how we view what following Jesus looks like. Uh, it's not just uh, head. It's not just learning things. It, it's a whole life uh, identity. It's a whole life engagement with God. Then we, you know, we move to our values, how we behave. And I, I think I say this every single time, but I think it's important. You know, if, if you were saying, um, you know, what makes sojourn sojourn, I think that that's a legitimate question because there are a lot of good churches in Traverse City and a lot of the churches in Traverse City would, would agree with that definition of the gospel and they would celebrate that, that Christ alone is our one hope. And a lot of churches in Traverse City would recognize that, that when you put your hope in Jesus, you get a new identity and he makes you his son or his daughter. He brings you into the family. Um, but you know, you're, you're at a specific church. And so like what makes Sojourn uh, Sojourn? What's, what's the special sauce here? And a couple years ago, we were invited to do something that just referred to as a treasure hunt. Like, look, look around the church. Go investigate the membership that you have, the congregation that you have. And, and what are the things that bubble up uh, that, that kind of make this church somewhat special or somewhat unique? What, what is the secret sauce? And the five values that, or the four values that we landed on were wholeness, generosity, curiosity, and dependence. And those are the four values that over the, the course of this year, we've given a Sunday to each, each of these uh, to try to investigate them a little further. If you were asking us, what is our mission or what's our mission statement? And you know, that's really why, why do we exist? And the language that we're using is to help people follow Jesus. That why, why a church? Like, why not just individual Christians running around? Why, why a church? Why does a church exist? And a church exists to help people follow Jesus. I need help following Jesus you need help following Jesus. That's what we exist for, is to create a space where regardless of where you're at on the spectrum uh, in regard to your relationship with the God of heaven, we want to help 
help you, uh, help each other follow Jesus. And then what's our strategy? Well, it's, it's pretty simple, actually. We want to offer a pathway that, that, that on that pathway provides spaces for you to explore and respond to the gospel. So we want to create spaces where you can like, c- consider the gospel, look at it, explore it. What, what is it? And then you actually can respond to it and recognize that, that this good news, as good as it is, it does demand a response. It, it, is, it is putting before you a reality that you're invited then to respond to. So that's uh, the, the building blocks of, of, of our church. But these Value Sundays, which today is the last one, it was an experiment. It was a way to say, man, sometimes, you know, churches or organizations talk about things like this, and they only talk about them once a year or maybe once every five years. And uh, it seemed like there was some value in us in investing a little bit more time uh, to explore it. So what we've done for these Value Sundays, if you've been around for them, we had our first one in March, and we considered the value of wholeness. And we had Caleb Haluko, uh, who is a, um, a chiropractor and a, and a holistic uh, me- um, medical uh, doctor in our, in our uh, he's not a medical doctor, but he is a doctor um, in, in our community. And we had him come talk with us uh, about this reality of what does God have to say about your whole life, about your physical life and uh, the use of the resources that God has entrusted to us. Um, that was our value of wholeness. Second value Sunday was generosity. And we had Emily Ballard, Katie Lawson, and Melissa Johnson come and each of them share a, kind of a, a snapshot of their life because they model generosity in, in, such, in such beautiful ways. And we wanted to consider as a church family together, like check out these people who are living out this value of generosity. Our third value Sunday was in September. And that was the value of curiosity. And our executive director, Dave Ballard, uh, sat up here with a panel of three people, um, Joe Haystack, Natalie Bailey, and uh, Kevin Anderson. And uh, they, they had a conversation about what does it look like to engage God with a level of curiosity, to engage the world with a level of curiosity, and, uh, and to just invite us into what it looks like to have minds uh, that are poking around that aren't just uh, sitting back and just receiving these, these ideas or receiving something that somebody else says. Uh, actually, in the, in the Bible, we have this incredible um, uh, sequence of events where there's a group of people that the Apostle Paul is teaching. They're known as the Bereans. And then and this is in the book of Acts. And then it says that the Bereans went home and studied the scriptures to see if it was so. And so there's like this sense in which it's like the preacher said something, but then they, they investigated it. It's not that they were cranky. It's not that they're always like super, super cynical. It's just saying, what would it look like to have a curious heart, to have a curious mind? And, you know, I think that God gave us a a, a curious heart. I think that God gave us the ability to be creative and to think deeply. And so we want to be a church that values curiosity. Uh, And so today is our fourth and final value, and that is the value of dependence. And so like every other week, I'm going to take a couple minutes and, and recap this value. So the way we've defined it is that we are living aware of our need for God and for others. We are living with a heart of dependence. Now, now we live in a culture that is kind of addicted to independence. We we live in a cultural moment where either loudly or quietly, the the message is kind of like you really should be self-sufficient. You really shouldn't need other people. You really should be able to pull yourself up by your bootstraps. You really should uh, be able to do this on your own. But the message of the Bible is a very different message. It's a message of dependence. Now, in this passage that Kim just read for us a moment ago, Hebrews chapter 10, 
has become one of my favorites. We, we read it frequently here, and, uh, and I think it's for, for good reason. And as you look at, if you have your Bible open in Hebrews chapter 10, uh, you know, verses 19 through 25, uh, we, we don't know who wrote the, the, the book of Hebrews, uh, but as they're interacting, they're, they're inviting Christians to think about uh, their situation and to think about how it is that they're navigating the world. And in verses 19 through 23, uh, what the author here does first is shows us that we need God. In verses 19 through 23, he says, Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain that is through his flesh, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near. So, so what, what the author says is this, Jesus has done something for you that changes the game because of what he has done for us. It's, it's our great priest in our place. Jesus goes as our advocate. What, he, what God has done for us in Christ changes everything. There's two phrases that the author says, by. He, he says, by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way. And so there's this sense in which it's like, that had to be opened up to us. That had to be given to us. That had to be provided for us. This, this is the message of the gospel. The, the message of the gospel is not a message of man going to find God. The message of the gospel is God coming to find us. God, God tore the roof off the world and climbed in in a human body. And the person of Jesus Christ lived a life here. And then he died so that we could be rescued back to God. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 18 says that Jesus Christ suffered once the righteous for the unrighteous, to bring us to God. That, that's what Jesus is doing. So we live in a culture that sometimes loudly, sometimes quietly says you need to be independent, you need to be self-sufficient, you need to figure it out on your own. Well, surprise, surprise, the message of the gospel is countercultural. The message of the gospel is that you actually are in need. And that points to one of our favorite phrases. All you need is need. All you need is need, but most people don't have it. We, we desperately need God to do for us what we could never do for ourselves. So a good question is, what about your life shows that you believe that you are actually in need? What about the way you live your life shows that you actually believe that you are in need? You know, and I, I, I know that the subject matter of prayer is like the go-to subject if I want to guilt trip you. Everybody's guilty about their prayer life. You know, no, nobody thinks they're praying enough. And so I, I know that this is an easy thing to turn to if I just want to make you feel bad. And I'm not trying to do that. But I am telling you that your prayer life is one of the ways, maybe one of the most significant ways, that you can evaluate whether or not you actually believe you need God. Because if you're waking up and going to bed and you're not talking to God during that day, that's a pretty good tell that you don't think you actually need him. And this invitation from the writer of Hebrews says, if, he, if God is not active, if, God is not, if God's not on the move, if God is not doing for us, then we are in serious trouble. But you know what a rich understanding of the gospel does? A rich understanding of the gospel shows us this incredible beauty, this rescue, this need that we have for a savior to come and rescue us, to do for us what we could never do for ourselves. And then it real, reveals to us that we need other people. The gospel pushes us right towards community. You want to know why? Because the more you explore the gospel, you realize that you're not the only character in the gospel story. That you're not the only one who God created. You're not the only one who rebelled against God. 
You're not the only one that Jesus came to save. You're not the only one who's going to respond to this good news of the gospel. You're not the only one. God is not just saving individuals. He's saving for himself a people. And he, he loves to use language of family. He says that he is our perfect father. He refers to us as brothers and sisters. We have good reason to think of Jesus as our perfect older brother. There's this beautiful reality of, of an invitation into a family. And as you come to the end of this text that we just read, we see that we need others. So this text starts off by saying, God has to do for us. We are in desperate need of God. But then it shows us how much we need each other. And if you'll look at verses 24 and 25, it says, And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. So real quick, those, there's, there's three phrases here that I think are, are, are important to, to, to point out. He says that we need to stir up one another. And I've referred to this a lot of times, so I, you probably have the imagery in your mind. But that Greek word for stir up could actually be translated agitate. And I know you hear the word agitate and you're like, I got enough agitation. I, I don't need more agitation. But this, this is actually the agitation of Christian brothers and sisters. This, this is the agitation of, of Christian community. This is like a washing machine where we're actually rubbing up against each other, that we're living life in community and we're seeing the world and seeing things about ourselves that might not be fun to see, but we wouldn't see them unless we were with other people. You know, reading the Bible is such an important thing, but if you read the Bible by yourself, do you know how easy it is to edit the Bible, to just read the Bible with lenses that you don't even know you have on? But when you read the Bible with other people, when you study the Bible with other people, they make comments about things that you may have never seen, that you would have, they would have just gone right over your head, or you just wouldn't have, you just wouldn't have paid attention. And they, they help you, and, they, and it, might be, it might be frustrating to find out that you have those rough edges. But we actually need people to, help, to, to stir us up. The other word that you see there is the word encourage, to encourage one another. And that's the idea of affirmation. If the first one's like uh, agitation, this is affirmation. If the first one's like a washing machine, this is like a hug. Where, where we need people in our life who come alongside us and encourage us. Who, who walk with us. They come alongside and they help us to, to, to survive in a, in a hard world. We, we need brothers and sisters who are reminding us of the truth about who Jesus is and who we are. And then I just want to point out the word meet. You know, in verse 25 it says, um, and not neglecting to meet together. And that's just uh, an invitation to us as a church family, uh, that if you refer to yourself or you, you call yourself a follower of Jesus, that this pattern, this practice of regular meeting, th this idea of being in proximity with people, it, it takes commitment. It, it takes prioritization. That it doesn't happen on accident. You know, a long, long time ago, someone told me that Sunday worship, Sunday morning worship, starts on Saturday night. It's like, what, what time do you go to bed? Did, did you think about the clothes that you're going to wear so you're not scrambling in the morning to try to figure out, oh no, my, my jeans are dirty or my shirt's not ironed or, or whatever. It starts Saturday night with actually thinking about how do I have my heart and head ready to gather with the people of God tomorrow? Have you cleared out your Sunday calendar? You know, I know it's easy for me because I'm a pastor and it's my job, but I, I often think like, what else are you going to do with your Sunday morning? Like if you're a follower of Jesus, what else are you doing before noon? 
Just be here. Just, just be here. Like show up early and stay a few minutes late and be with the people of God. It, it, it takes prioritization. It takes commitment. But, but what else are you going to do on a Sunday? Like make, make that you're blacked out. This is my time where I gather with the collective body. And then as you know, our church has a high priority on a group of people that you meet with sometime during the week who knows your name, who knows your story, who loves you, who, tell, who can tell if you're not there. And we call those community groups or our small groups. And those create incredible deep, incredibly deep relationships. Again, that takes commitment. It takes time. But I want to encourage you to consider uh, joining a group. And if you want to do that, the, the email groups at sojourntravers.com, uh, just shoot an email there and we will get information to you immediately. And so don't, don't, don't forsake the meeting uh, of ourselves together. Gospel dependence shows up in prayer and people, in prayer and in community. That, that, that's the reveal, that, that this recognition that we need God and we need others. And as a church, you know, we've been working on both of these. Our, our community groups, our parties, our after parties, these are all meant to be spaces in which we're actually developing uh, the priorities of our church. We're actually trying to develop real friendships. And then we have prayer nights and we have days of fasting. We want you to have a friendship with the God of heaven. We want you to be in relationship with the God of heaven. And that's a priority for us as well. So we're going to provide spaces to deepen your friendship with God and with others today today. And so after the service, as you already heard, we have an after party with churros and fraps. And you know, who cares what the menu is? The point is, it's an invitation to, to linger. It's an invitation to, to maybe meet somebody that you've never met before, or to connect with someone that you haven't seen uh, in a while. And so the after party is after the service. But we're going to lean into this by spending the rest of our service right now. Uh, it, it, we're going to spend a chunk of time in prayer. Now, look, as, as we were planning this service, I recognized like it might be a little weird for a Sunday worship service uh, to, to have a, a chunk of, of prayer in it. But, but think about that for a second. Should it be weird? You know, when, when Jesus talked about the church, he quotes a passage from Isaiah and he says, my house should be called a house of prayer for all nations. Jesus says that's what this place is supposed to refer to the temple, and now the New Testament church. It should be a place of prayer. And so if you look at this and you're like, oh man, we're going to spend time in prayer. That's weird. Well, it shouldn't be. And maybe that's, uh, that's something that, that, that I need to own if it feels uh, weird. But, but if you think about the movement of our Value Sundays, you know, we started off with one speaker. And then the second Value Sunday, we had three speakers. And then the fourth Value Sunday, we had a panel. And this, uh, the third Value Sunday, we had a panel. And now this last Value Sunday, we're inviting the entire church uh, to participate. Now, you're not going to be put in a spot where you need to pray out loud, that you don't, you don't have to do that at all, not at, not, not at all during this time, uh, but you are going to be invited uh, to, to pray. And uh, our deacon of, of, of prayer, Jill Prout, is going to come and, and lead us. You want to come on up here, Jill? And just as she walks us through these various categories, I, I want you to think, you know, one of our values is creativity. Come on up, Jill. Um, and and so, so think, as, as, as this category is given to you, what are the things that bubble up that, that, that you want to lay before the Lord? And all of these little windows, they're, they're going to be pretty short, uh, but we invite you to, to, to pray. And if I could just mention two, two things, and I, I, Jill, Jill might mention some of these, so I don't, I don't want to step on her toes. Um, but, but there's a church in Traverse City called the, Pres, uh, the, the Presbyterian Church of Traverse City. It's over on Airport Access Road. And I, I just found out this week that they have a pastoral candidate 
that is, uh, that is candidating with their, their church today. And I, I don't know much about the Presbyterian Church of Traverse City, um, but here's what we want. We, we believe that a rising tide lifts all boats. We want rich and godly churches in our city. And so it would be right for us as the, one of these categories will give you a great invitation to do that, but to pray for the Presbyterian Church of Traverse City that their congregation selects a pastor who, who loves the scriptures and who loves Jesus and who loves the gospel and who brings to that church new, new life and, and new vibrancy. And uh, East Bay Calvary, it, they don't have one today, but they are in the hunt for a pastor as well. And so these are the kinds of things that as, as Jill brings up the categories, just let, let this stuff bubble up in, 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 in the quiet of your own heart. Um, pray, pray to God about what he brings to mind. privilege um, to serve the family this way. I'm not breaking this, am I? Um, it's a privilege to serve as um, deacon of corporate prayer, and the charge given to me is to um, look for opportunities for us to participate together in prayer. Um, corporate prayer is obviously a little different from individual prayer. Um, the corporate prayer experience is ways that we can share and create experience together. And today we're going to do that by um, something called prayers of the people. That might sound really s simple and straightforward. It is. It's a, a, an interactive, responsive prayer. We're going to do this in two parts. Um, the first part will be prayer. We'll have prayer prompts on the screen. I'll be reading the leader portion of that, and and then we'll pause and I'll say, "Lord, in your mercy," and you'll say, "Hear our prayer." So just the typical response pattern. The second part of this will be a, um, what we do. We're going to open the floor for prayer. And because we need microphones so that others can hear, um, I apologize to you in the balcony. Um, please feel free and please be in prayer. But we didn't have a live mic up there. We were not able to get that um, set up for this morning. But if you're prompted in the second half, can you drop those lights just so I don't have to wear a hat? Um, thank you. Um, in the second part, when we open the um, floor for prayer, whatever the Holy Spirit's prompting you to pray, a phrase, a, a sentence or two, um, praying for something or someone on your heart, the Lord is at work here this morning, and he is calling us and praying with us, and he's calling us to participate in prayer together. So might feel a little awkward. Let's do our best to get past the little awkward and lean into this interdependence opportunity. I would say dependence um, expressed um, in our personal prayers, interdependence expressed in our prayers together with one another. Prayers of the people is a liturgical structure for public prayer and worship. We're in, we're in public worship, we're public prayer. We pray together before God. Prayer in public worship is a shared activity, and praying in this way allows us to create a shared experience. Christina, so, so I want to say just a little bit more. I'll, I'll pray the prompts. We're going to get into this in just a second. But I want to highlight the pause, which is only indicated with three dots on the screen for you. I'll close that time of silence, but I'll pray the prompt. And then we're going to have an extended pause. And you might feel uncomfortable. 20 to 30 seconds can feel really like a long silence. It's about three deep breaths, if that helps. It's good and it's intentional that we hold this silence. 
This is a uh, quote from Christina Reeves, Carrie Christina Reeves, in the Canyon Book of Prayer. Communication between corporate prayer directs people's hearts to God, with a leader guiding the process through intentional silence, as well as the use of words. Silence helps us slow down and quiet our interior lives before God. It is helpful for us to periodically pause, giving opportunity to offer personal requests in a quiet space. So each time I pray a category, and then we pause, you're continuing in prayer in your seats, and then I'll say um, the closing response, and, and you'll respond with here a prayer. And then when we do get, we, we go through nine or ten of those screens, when we get to the open mic time, then a couple of runners. So if you have something on your heart, if you would stand, and please go ahead and wait for the microphone to come to you um, as we do this. So as, as we begin this time of prayer, um, a, a favorite um, scripture out of Second Chronicles that just come into my heart this week, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and I will heal their land. Let's enter into this space now. You might even want to put your hands up on your lap again, ways to participate, to su surrender into this place. I want to encourage you to feel confident that the Holy Spirit's brooding people and faces and images that come to your mind, pay attention to those and you can just lift those in prayer each time we pause. Lord, this morning we come to you in complete dependence upon your grace, favor, and mercy. We want to pray to you with our minds as well as with our spirits. Would you grant us grace to pray, Lord? Would you grant us favor to pray according to your will? Would you grant us favor to intercede in agreement with your spirit? Would you, in your mercy, allow us to behold and adore the Lord Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the Anointed One, even as we seek his face? We wait upon you and depend upon your grace, favor, and mercy. Lord, in your mercy, for the peace of the world that a spirit of respect and forbearance may grow among nations and peoples. Lord, in your mercy. For the holy church of God, that it may be filled with truth and love and be found without fault at the day of your coming.
Lord, in your mercy. For those in positions of public trust, especially our governmental leaders, those working for justice within legal systems, police officers, and others seeking to protect the vulnerable, that they may serve justice and promote the dignity and freedom of all people. Lord, in your mercy, for a blessing upon the labors of all and for the right use of the riches of creation. Lord, in your mercy, for the poor, the persecuted, the sick, and all who suffer, for refugees, prisoners, and all who are in danger, that they may be relieved and protected. Lord, in your mercy, for this congregation, for those who are present, for those who are absent, that we may be delivered from hardness of heart and may show forth your glory in all that we do. Lord, in your mercy. For our enemies and those who wish us harm, and for all whom we have injured or offended. Lord, in your mercy, for ourselves, for the forgiveness of our sins, for the grace of the Holy Spirit to amend 
our lives. Lord, in your mercy, for all who have commended themselves to our prayers, for our families, friends, and neighbors, that being freed from anxiety, they may live in joy, peace, and health. Lord, in your mercy. Now we open the floor with a um, phrase or sentence. You can introduce a petition. And then you would say, Lord, in your mercy, and the congregation will respond, hear our prayer. ask for a prayer for uh, healing and comfort for our daughter Molly and for all those who are physically unwell. Lord, in your mercy. I'd like to pray for the family of uh, Keith and Clayton from Kingsley as they deal with the loss of a child and help the kids of the community to understand what has happened. Lord, hear in your mercy. Hear our prayer. Uh, we would like prayer for our diagnosis of infertility and that God would deliver us from that. Lord, in your mercy, <laughs> hear our prayer. Uh, Lord, I lift up Beth and pray um, that you would open her womb while we pray for your healing power for her, for Molly, Lord, and for comfort. We pray for peace. Um, to trust your plans, your ways, that we would trust you with our whole hearts when things don't make sense. And Jesus, we lift up Traverse City High School and the kiddos there that you're reaching out to through your people, some that go here. Lord, would you bring your light into the darkness? Lord, would you do a mighty, mighty thing there and draw some of those kiddos to yourself? Lord, in your mercy. Hear our prayer. Lord, I pray for all the prodigals that are maybe sitting here and the prodigals that are represented by parents and friends and grandparents. 
Lord, I pray that you, you uh, just come into their life and show them how beautiful and wonderful you are and how much more beautiful you are than what they're chasing today. And Lord, I just pray for the, those who are waiting for their return, that they trust in you because you are perfect and you are holy and you desire for their return more than we do. Lord, I also ask for prayer for my friend, childhood friend, Tom Paul, who had a stroke and finds himself, he is from Boston, but he finds himself at Munson. <laughs> and um, he made it through the night, but he is in very bad shape. He's a young man who suffers from alcoholism and is uh, just dear to my childhood. Um, Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. We have time for probably one or two more. Yes. prayer. Lord, uh, we pray for our good friend Pat that has uh, pancreatic cancer, uh, that you give him strength to deal with his journey and look out uh, for his family and give them support as uh, this process takes its toll. Uh, Lord, in your mercy. Hear our prayer. Lord, in your mercy, hear this prayer. God's making us a praying people, friends. In the communion of the Holy Spirit and of all the saints, let us commend ourselves and one another to the living God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Thank you for that, Jill. If you've never been part of Prayers of the People, um, well, you just experienced it, but it's a, uh, it's a very sweet time. And uh, I, I uh, couldn't necessarily place a face with every single voice, but many of those voices I recognize, and I, and I, I love uh, the, the heart behind those voices and the recognition that um, we carry with us uh, heavy, heavy stories sometimes. You know, in, in, the, in the book that we were just in, in the book of Hebrews, <clears throat> we're actually invited uh, to, pray, to pray for our brothers and sisters who are in prison. The author of Hebrews says this, to pray for our brothers and sisters who are in prison as if we were in prison. There's a sense in which there's a, 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 shared, a shared burden, a shared reality of the hard, uh, hard stories that our brothers and sisters carry. 
and that we pray for them with the same level of passion as if they were our, our own story. Uh, there, there's another, I mentioned it last week, but just the, the principle of vicariousness, um, that throughout the, the Bible, there's these, a, a number of different stories where uh, individual people stand on behalf of another. Uh, Abraham stands on behalf of uh, Sodom and Gomorrah. Moses stands on behalf of the nation of Israel. Uh, the paralytic's friends uh, stand on his behalf before Jesus. And all of these things are inviting us to remember that there's an ultimate one who stands on our behalf. Uh, that God actually, the, he starts showing us this little pattern like, oh, wait, maybe the many could be saved because of the one. Maybe, maybe the many could be saved. Because, and then along comes Jesus, and he is the ultimate one who stands uh, for, for the many, the one who stands for the many. And, uh, and so this is, this is the good news of Jesus. And because of what Jesus has done, that's actually opened up communion with God. That, that is why the Bible invites the followers of Jesus to refer to the Father as the Father. The, those, those lines of communication are open. And the recognition that we have that we, we need help, uh, that we can't do this on our own, is a, is a, a loud call to, to, come, to come and pray. And one of the images of coming to pray is actually coming to the table, sitting at the table of God, eating at the feast of the Father, and actually being in communion with him. And I heard it described one time that if you think of prayer, it's almost like God has set a banquet table, and it's there for you, and is all he's saying is, you just got to come sit down. You just got to come, come over here and sit down. And, uh, and so there's that, that's, that's an incredible imagery, and uh, we finish our service every Sunday with coming to the table. Uh, this table, that if you have run to Jesus and put your hope in Jesus, this table makes all the sense in the world to you. This bread, which represents the body of Christ broken for you, this juice, which represents the blood of Christ spilled for you, it makes all the sense in the world to come running to this table because you are invited to this table uh, because Jesus has won a seat for you uh, here. And so this is the good news of the gospel. I, I used the phrase last week um, from that song and from the, uh, the, the Liverpool Football Club, but the phrase, you'll never have to walk alone. You'll, you'll never walk alone. Uh, that, that is the promise of the Bible, that the Holy Spirit indwells us, that the people of God are available to us, and community and communion are available to the follower of Jesus in spades. And so if you're a follower of Jesus, man, we invite you to come uh, get this bread and get this cup. If you've never trusted Jesus, then instead of getting the bread and the cup, uh, I would invite you to, there, there's going to be some prayers on the screen uh, during the time of communion. And I would invite you to pray those prayers. They're, they're, they're not magical prayers. They're just resources. They're, they're ways to help you converse with God uh, about where you are uh, in, in your life right now. So if our servers will please come, uh, let, let's pray. God, I think of those, uh, those prompts. And 30 seconds goes by awfully fast. And uh, my guess is that there's a lot of, of uh, prayer requests uh, that bubbled up as we heard those. Uh, God, I just think of the international realities of, um, of Afghanistan and Ukraine and Israel and Palestine and the 242 hostages. Oh God, we think about what's going on in Spain right now and whether or not Spain is going to, to how that's going to all unfold. Uh, we think of our own nation and the tensions that, that we feel in these next 12 months as we go through an election cycle. God, God there, there's, there's so, so many global big things and then there's so many personal things that are, uh, have to do with the spiritual condition of our own hearts or the spiritual condition of someone that we know and love or the physical condition of our, of our bodies or the physical condition of someone that we love. Uh, God, we, we recognize that there's, there's much to discuss with you, and we, just, we recognize that you are more ready to talk to us than we are to talk to you. 
So would you stir in our hearts a great love and appreciation for this welcome that you have to run to the table, to come to you, uh, to be with you. God, we thank you for this bread and for this cup. We thank you for the person of Jesus who changes everything. In his name we pray. Amen.